grab a glass and tell us a story. It's Bucks and Booze. Alright, I'm joined today by my father, Ken Tordzik, once again. And today, for the spirit, I chose the Detroit City Butcher's Cut Bourbon. So I'm going to pour a little glass of that while we get started. And then at the end of the podcast, I'll come back and talk about that a little bit. And today's today's podcast, I'm going to talk to my dad um, a little bit about our family heritage in hunting, and especially his dad, my grandpa George. So grandpa's family, like hunted when he was younger. The family uh, didn't hunt, but uh, my dad and, and all of his buddies they uh, hunted forever. Uh, things were a lot different then. I mean, just most of the land was was uh, state owned or some something involved with the state, and very little private ownership. So uh, those guys just used to go out and build a log cabin and go hunting, and the DNR would burn it down because they didn't own the land, and they'd go build <laughs> another one and say. Finally, the third one they built, they bought a 40 so they could build a camp and it wouldn't have to really get it burned down. But they hunted, uh, there was my dad and, and his partner, Ed Reese, and then Ed's son, sons, Irving and, and uh, Giuliani. Uh, there, was, there, was, there was about 10 of them that were uh, in that camp and it was... It was different times than on, on the weekends when they go out there to have parties. They'd have the beer truck just come out and stay for the weekend. <laughs> so so those when those guys started building camps just on state land, that would have been, was that like after the war or before the war? Uh, that was before the war. And uh, <clears throat> the WPA days and... and uh, I think when they finally built the the, the third camp that uh, they put forty on, that was that was close to the uh, the beginning of the war. But I think that was still before the war that they built that third one. And uh, oh, there's like maybe eight, ten of those guys that were regulars, and and uh, it was different, different, different times, different way of hunting. So, so grandpa, grandpa went to the Lucian Islands. The war. He was in that too, yeah. Where the the only place that the Japanese were on uh, United States soil during the Second World War. That's he was up there for that. The other guys that were in the camp with him, like a similar age, did they go as well, or were they like older guys? Or Ed didn't go in, but Ed's son Irving was in Korea uh, for the Korean uh, War, and uh, his son-in-law Bernie was a Air Force pilot. He was he was in and. Uh, uh, Ed's son, other son Kelly. He, I don't think he was in the service. I don't remember him being in the service. Uh, and my dad's, uh, both of my dad's brothers were in the army uh, during the Second World War. So, so those guys came out. Of, that that original group of guys came out of Depression era, World War Two, mm-hmm. right? So hunting for them was also a little bit different motive. That, right? They weren't. Yeah, they were hunting racks so much. They were hunting. <laughs> they were hunting for meat. Yeah, yeah, that's what it. it um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and the I mean the rules were different then too. I mean things were just different, right? Yeah. But, and they were they were hunting to put food in the freezer and and I mean that, obviously they had a good time doing mm-hmm. it as well. 
Yeah, I can remember when I was a kid, they'd go down in the basement in my mom's fruit cellar and there'd be a, a beef hanging there and then sunny, uh, honey had killed a calf. That's where it was. <laughs> I said, okay, well, honey keeps killing calves. No problem. <laughs> um, so a couple, they built several camps that the DNR or whoever is state agency burnt down because they were building them on state land. Yeah. Right? I mean, they had every right to, to mm-hmm. take them down. So they finally bought that 40. Was it $5 an acre that they bought it for? Was that the, at the time? I think it might have even been a buck, but I'm not sure. I don't think it was as much as five. I think it was less than five, but it might have been five, but that would have been the most for sure. And it, uh, and that, that camp was <clears throat> off of the Foster City Road, for those people that know the UP, kind of north, slightly east of Iron Mountain area. Yeah, it was between Wasita and, and uh, Foster City and on the uh, Sturgeon River just south of Browns Lake, uh, yeah. downstream of Browns Lake. So it was a it was a beautiful spot, right? The, yeah. The river ran through. There's a little bend in the river where they built their camp. Mm-hmm. And so that that camp, is that was that the camp you started hunting at? Then? It is, yeah. That's, that's where I started hunting when I was a little people. Yeah. And, that, and that's the camp that I got to hunt. My first year, so I hunted there for one year, and then the next year is when Uncle Jim bought his camp, and the story that we told in the mm-hmm. in a different episode about going there for the first time. So my first year hunting, I did hunt at that camp, and you've mentioned it before uh, about the style of hunting there and the style of hunting that I think Grandpa hunted his whole time, right? I don't, did Grandpa ever stand hunt or sit or? Very seldom. I I. Uh... I don't think in all the years I hunted there, I don't think I set uh, five times. I uh, It was just drive. We'd get up in the morning early, and, and we'd just do different sections, of uh, different pieces of land, uh, use roads most times or the river for a boundary, and, and uh, a group of guys would go on, on one end, and another group of guys would go start on the, uh, the other end of the property, and just one group would walk through, and the other one would just sit there and wait for the deer come running out, and... A lot of times it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, the deer would be always moving, but when they're hauling the mail, it was you had to be on your toes or you wouldn't get a shot. But yeah, so I, th- I think most people that hunt today don't have any concept of what that is like because it's just so different today. Yeah, um, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of open land. There's not many places that are physically broken up in a way that has the boundaries, like you said, rivers and roads and places, you, you need to have a, a, a way to break it up because you're, you're pushing these deer, you're physically going through and scaring deer out mm-hmm. to guys that are waiting, correct? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to do today because there's so much private land. So if you try to do any drives, you're in, almost assuredly going to infringe on somebody's private property. And then just back then it was, uh, they had a 40, uh, and the second fellow might have bought a second 40, but uh, it was all state land and, and uh, nobody hunted anywhere near us. So we were hunting uh, probably a section of land at least that uh, nobody else ever hunted on. And <clears throat> I did have a chance to do it that my first year. It was incredibly exciting way to hunt mm-hmm. it, it's a lot i was thinking about it and probably the closest thing that i've done 
to that is rabbit hunting. Um, but instead of having dogs, you have people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the deer run straight ahead. Sometimes they turn oh. back. Right, I mean, kick back on you, yeah. It, they 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 kick back a lot, and that when you're driving, you got to pay attention because they do kick back, and you're usually 20, 30 yards apart going through whatever uh, ground you're on. And uh, I had a probably the biggest rack I ever saw hunting uh, kick was a kickback on me, and and uh, I had my brother George's strange gun because I wasn't going to see anything, so I used a strange gun and gave my gun up and. The deer just came and went, <laughs> and I, I never got a shot off because I couldn't get the damn gun to shoot. <laughs> oh, was I mad? It was at least a twelve point, probably as much as sixteen. I don't know. It was oh, an awesome goodness. rack. And and when you're hunting in that style, you have to be extraordinarily aware of what's going on. Oh yeah. Along with everybody else, right? Because you're now shooting a deer on the move with guys all around yeah you. there's guys left and right and there's guys in forward in front of you and and uh you gotta you gotta really pay attention to what you're doing now for sure yeah so it, it was exciting and as a as a new hunter the, the the first day that we did a drive i got put on the road everybody that was pushing it uh was coming at me you had told me you know just stand here and wait and if you know, wait for the deer to come, and they're gonna come at you, and and not really sure what to expect. And I was standing in the middle of the road waiting, and this little doe came running out of the woods, and it was running right at me, and I'll never forget it. It got to a point where it was about twenty yards away from me on a dead sprint, right at me, and I finally just jumped and I went bah! <laughs> the turn and ran right next to me. I thought it was going to run me over at first. So it was, it was an exciting way to hunt. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and in a lot of ways, there's a lot more camaraderie, right? Because yeah. you're... Constantly. You, you do a push, yeah. a, a drive, and then everybody would kind of gather up. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what I saw. This is what I didn't see. This is what. where are we going next. Right, you guys had names for all the, all the spots. Yeah, the river drive and the slough drive and the park drive and the camp drive and one of my favorite memories of, of when we were doing that is the one fella Tommy was was one of the old guys that was initial with my dad, and I was making a drive and all of a sudden you hear pow. Pow, 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 pow. You knew his gun was empty. <laughs> I come out. My dad says to him, tell him what you see. And he says, oh, it's a nice buck. It's this damn gun. His sights are off. They set up a little bottle cap and he hit it with the next shot. <laughs> <laughs> the sights weren't off. The sights weren't Tommy off. Was <laughs> Tommy was excited. <laughs> oh, God. So... Out of those, out of those uh, grandpa's buddies, the guys that you know, the, the older guys that started the camp together and stuff. Who's the best shot? I, uh, you know, I, uh, my dad didn't miss very often. Uh, Irv didn't miss very often either. Tommy missed all the time. It <laughs> <laughs> was a pretty good shot. They're all pretty good shots, you know. It just uh, Tommy was a, a, a character. <laughs> <laughs> He always had an automatic, and he always shot a lot of bullets. <laughs> <laughs> and that, 
that kind of dry, that kind of uh, hunting also one of the other things that I remembered from the camp was it, you know so much of the way we hunt today stand hunting is predicated on the morning and the evening and so you need to be out in your stand 20 30 minutes before it gets light and you got to stay till dark and so the mornings you know people are rolling out of bed and trying to get out there in the evenings nobody's back until it's dark but there everybody it, it wasn't right you didn't it didn't yeah. matter if you started at eight or nine o'clock no, or whatever no. so yep. so everybody had breakfast together took their time getting going right yep did two or three drives then have lunch then do two two or three drives more and then one or two guys would go out and sit i i hated sitting i don't think i sat five times before we got to the, the second camp and then we started sitting all the time but i didn't i i they started sitting the last year I hunted there, and I said, "I don't want no part of this. I don't want to. I don't want to do this." <laughs> but it, it created, a little, in some ways, it created more camaraderie because you were with yeah. you were with that group of guys the whole day doing yep. all these things together, right? What did you see? Did you see anything? And yeah, yeah. maybe drink a beer once in a while. Maybe. No, every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we went to when we went to Uncle Jim's camp. That the whole way that we hunted flipped over. Totally changed, yeah. Totally it was, it was to all posting, yeah. And posting the, the way that we hunt today, the way I think most people hunt today. When Grandpa and and those guys had the camp and, and they were hunting also, uh, as we kind of alluded to earlier, it was about getting deer. Yeah. It wasn't, it didn't really mes- necessarily matter too much about how many points were on the head of the deer. No. <laughs> Nobody was hunting for racks. When the DNR opened up the doe season for you could shoot anything you wanted all the time, I, my goodness. <laughs> Just if it moved it jide. <laughs> At the I know one of the reasons that Jim bought a camp was just there was an original group of guys, they had kids and you know, and they had friends and they had kids, and so now it was like third generation and some. There just some, wasn't enough place for everybody to hunt, yeah. Right. So at the at the at the like peak of that camp, like how many how many guys would be there? Oh, probably somewhere between ten and fifteen at least. Uh, oh, I bet fifteen at least almost every time. And it was the bunk room was two guys in a bed it was share bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> And I do remember that too, because I remember being—I uh, was the kid, so up, up, up in the loft mm-hmm. sleeping. It had to be 150 degrees up there. It was so hot up on the—you're sleeping right above the fireplace. Fireplace, yeah. just roasting up there. And it wasn't—it wasn't that. I mean, it was—it was a cool camp. Mm-hmm. It was a cool old log cabin camp, but it wasn't that big, really. No, no. And it's also, uh, that's also the first place that I caught a fish. I think I was... Oh, in the river there? Yeah. I think I was, oh, like five or six years old or something. There was a, I think mom has a picture still. I caught a little fish out of the river. Oh, when my cousin from Cleveland yeah. was up. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So it was a, it was a cool place. A lot of, a lot of memories there. A lot of guys there. Mm-hmm. And did it, was it Irv that ended up with the camp in the end? Or who ended up with the camp? 
my brother George and Irv, I think, and then uh, they both sold, and then Irv bought another forty and built a new camp uh, a little bit closer to the to the main road, and and then somebody bought the camp that I I don't know some. Uh, uh, somebody from out of, out of the area about the camp. So eventually that camp went yeah. out of that whole group of guys. Yeah. Some apple knockers bought it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the the bourbon that I chose today, the Butcher's Cut Straight Bourbon Whiskey from Detroit City, I'm just going to read the label off the back because I think it summarizes it uh, so well. It's a very cool story The the people that started this uh, distillery. So this is the, the label on the back. A timeless spirit from a storied past. My grandfather lost his finger making a whiskey barrel. He traded his motorcycle to bootleggers for a rifle. And after World War II, he began his career as a butcher in Detroit's Eastern Market next to the slaughterhouse that I transformed into our distillery. To honor his life and legacy, I created Butcher's Cut Bourbon using the finest cuts of corn, rye, and roasted barley that are aged with hand-smoked Michigan Northern Oak. The result is a bourbon that is timeless and true with exceptional character, just like the man that inspired it, Master Distiller John P. Jerome. So it's a cool story. Uh, John started this uh, distillery, and their, their goal was to make everything... A Michigan product. Uh, everything that goes into their mash is grown in Michigan and they went so far as to decide that they would you, even the barrels that they use were going to be Michigan products so it's it's one of the only distilleries I know that uses Michigan oak and they have their own cooper that makes their barrels for them so every piece of the bourbon that they make is linked to Michigan and I think it's fantastic it's it's got a great body to it it's very easy to drink a little tiny hint of sweetness to it uh, I enjoy their whole line of uh, spirits that they make I think they do a great job and I think it's really cool both that it's a Michigan product and that it's a tribute to his grandfather his grandfather's Butcher tools are actually hanging on the wall uh, in their distillery in honor of his grandpa. So that's uh, the Detroit City Straight Bourbon Whiskey Butcher's Cut. Cheers to them and cheers to grandpa and the camp down in Dickinson. We'll see you soon on another edition of Bucks and Booze.